If there was a decision that could literally make the practical difference that allows you to achieve the things you know you have the potential for and you want to make happen, would you want to hear more? Because this is not clickbait or hyperbole. It's a decision every one of us can make at any time and it will give us a real fresh start moving forward. And the days leading up to Yom Kippur are the perfect time to talk about it. Welcome to this Yom Kippur episode of the Bites of Judaism podcast, helping you unlock your best life, know your why, and be everything you were born to be. To subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform, go to rabbiglick.link slash podcast. This episode is dedicated to Nishmas Chaya Yitabas Eliezer. If you'd like to dedicate a future episode of the podcast, be in touch at podcast at rabbiglick.com. There are effectively limitless positive things we can choose to focus on in life. And ultimately, any positive thing is a good choice. And anything we choose to focus on If we put in consistent effort and we focus on it consistently for the long term, it's going to end up having a massive impact. And just, just to do the numbers, for example, if you improve anything, you pick anything in life, health, wellness, spirituality, physical health, anything, anything in life that you want to make progress in, if you improve 1% per day, every day for a year, At the end of a year, and think about how quickly a year passes. Think about how quickly we were at this point one year ago. A year passes very quickly. And if we put in the effort to improve 1% every day of the year, let's say an average of 365 days a year, a year later, your improvement is not going to be 365%. It's going to be just about 3,700% which means an increase or an improvement growth of 1% per day, one one hundredth, ends up over the course of one year, leaving us 37 times better off than we started. 3,700% improvement over the course of a year. So any positive thing is a good thing. And any positive thing we focus on consistently, a tiny little bit every day is going to make a huge impact in our lives over time. And putting in a little bit of effort into anything positive is better than nothing, right? And it's better to just choose anything and put in the effort, focus on it and make progress than to get paralyzed figuring out or thinking about what to choose. That being said, the fact that, you know, anything we choose to focus on is over time going to leave us making a lot of progress. That doesn't mean that every choice is equal. Not all options are going to give us the same output at the end of that, you know, at the or over time depending on how much time we spend. Not every positive thing that we focus on is going to have the same amount of impact in our lives per the amount of effort that we put in on growing and making change and and moving forward. See, anything positive or anything at all that we put effort into consistently and we focus on consistently over time, that growth builds up, it accumulates, it becomes exponential. And over the course of the year, again, that 1% becomes almost 3,700%. But there are some things where the impact doesn't just grow exponentially and accumulate, but it can also spill over into other parts of our lives and have a ripple effect that ends up you know, rippling across all different parts of our lives And then what we end up with is a cumulative exponential growth across multiple parts of our lives. And if we can find one thing to focus on that's going to not only have cumulative growth, but also spill over into all different parts of life, then the output and the benefit that we get from focusing on something like that is going to be disproportionately massive and, and unimaginably massive over the course of time. And it's going to start to have an unimaginably large positive impact on our life experience and our lived experience quite quickly. And there's ultimately one of the categories of the kind of decisions that's going to do this is a cornerstone habit, right? Now, a cornerstone, technically, the original use of the term cornerstone is when an arch would be made out of stones the the way that it's designed structurally, there would be a stone in the middle at the top at the center that was hewn at angles that allowed the stones coming up from the two sides, 
the, the you know the the first stone to each side are both leaning in towards each other resting against that center stone and then one stone out is leaning against those and we have a whole entire arch of stones that could be standing up without any cement and all of the entire arch is resting on that cornerstone which is not at the bottom it's at the top but because it's at the center and it's positioned at the corner at the center in the middle and the pressure comes from both sides resting on it that one stone supports the entire arch and removing that stone or getting that stone wrong means the entire arch would disintegrate right so a cornerstone the concept the idea of a cornerstone is it's something that isn't just part of the structure it's something that's holding up and supporting and giving strength to an entire structure the entire structure is supported on and resting on and relying on that one stone right and there are cornerstone decisions not all decisions in life are the same are of equal impact or or weight right there are some decisions cornerstone decisions that are going to have an impact across all of our lives there are certain behaviors and certain habits that don't only have an immediate effect on the thing that we're acting on the behavior that we're engaging in but these behaviors end up having a ripple effect that spills out across all aspects of our lives and it affects the entirety of our life you know in these cornerstone behaviors just one instance of a cornerstone behavior can have a disproportionate effect by spilling out across different parts of our life and elevating the entirety of our life or a huge portion of our life the same way that that literal cornerstone holds up the whole arch the whole structure and think about this if we can find a cornerstone behavior and improve on a behavior like that one percent every day and at the end of a year we have three thousand seven hundred percent improvement and growth and forward movement in a specific behavior that directly impacts a whole spectrum of areas of our lives think about the effect and the impact that we could have and if we can find a a positive cornerstone behavior that's going to have that kind of impact and put in the effort to just make one percent increase every day just imagine where we'll be after a week a month a year so today or on on this episode i want to discuss a specific cornerstone behavior a cornerstone decision a decision that really has an impact across the spectrum of our lives and it, it really does hold up the entirety of our lives and it can elevate and uplift literally every part of our lives and what what i want to get at is the way we identify ourselves and when i talk about how we identify ourselves i mean in the context of our behavior in the context of our past behavior in the context of our behavioral history the actions we've engaged in the things that we've done over the entirety of our lives even and i want to clarify what i mean when i say that this is a decision because it doesn't necessarily need to be a conscious decision right we all have a way that we identify and we might not think of it as a decision because there's sort of a default automatic way that we identify probably largely subconsciously if we're not intentional about it right we all have the way we perceive ourselves and anyone who's not putting in proactive effort to intentionally manage the way that you know if we're not putting in effort to intentionally and proactively manage the way we perceive ourselves then we are going to have a perception of ourselves in a way that we see ourselves a way that we think of ourselves and define ourselves or the way that an identity that we have of ourselves that forms almost automatically it forms by default subconsciously just as a result of you know the way we subconsciously automatically perceive and think of the full picture of who we are the things we've done what we've been through how we've reacted etc all of those things are going to come together and there's going to be a default way that we perceive ourselves as a result so why am i calling it a decision the reason is because that's what happens by default if we don't choose to proactively engage in monitoring and managing the way we perceive ourselves the way we identify ourselves and where, where the magic happens is when we make the decision that we will intentionally 
focus on our identity, the way that we identify ourselves and the way we perceive ourselves and making sure that it's actually accurate and empirically correct, it, it can change everything. It's a true cornerstone decision that will, not can, will, if we do it, it will spill over across every part of our lives and change everything. It'll change everything about the realistic likelihood of us actually fulfilling that potential that we know we have, hypothetically. It will also really give us a chance to to get a fresh start, start again with a, a true clean slate and move forward without any of the baggage of a lifetime. And it doesn't matter what the behavior is. Having a, a the, the the true the truly correct perspective and view of 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 our identity and who we are, it doesn't matter what baggage we have. We can have a pure clean start. And not because we convince ourselves, because that is actually the empirical truth. And we'll get to it. So, you know, and it, it sounds, you know, all nice and fluffy and woo-woo, but but it's not. It's, it's very real and it will make a drastic, real, tangible change in the way we perceive ourselves, in our emotional state, in our self-perception. It, it, it will drastically increase our positive emotion. It will make us more energetic. It will make us more focused. It will make us more motivated. And you know what happens when we're more motivated? We achieve more we end up more fulfilled. And then that further increases and contributes towards a, a further increase in positive emotion and well-being. So ultimately, having the the truly correct, actually, view of our identity and who we really are is going to increase our positive emotion and our well-being and improve, drastically improve our lived experience via a number of different pathways all at the same time. So, right, both by directly affecting our positive emotion and our well-being, because we view ourselves in a, a more positive light, and we'll get to how and why that really is the actual truth and correct view, and by increasing our, you know, our our, our motivation, it's going to leave us feeling more fulfilled, more satisfied, more high, you know, like we're achieving more, and that's going to further add to all of that. So. First of all, a big part of this picture, right, is the motivation. Because the motivation that results from this perspective and this identifying ourselves correctly is going to lead to greater achievement. And that achievement is going to lead to more positive emotion, well-being, etc. So we need to clarify exactly how and why motivation makes such a massive difference. And the pathway by means of which motivation makes such a massive difference to the bottom line of our lived experience. And then once we clarify that, I want to really get into the nitty gritty of this decision about how we should identify, how we should perceive ourselves, who we really are, why it's correct, how we should go about it, and how it's going to make that massive difference really, truly open us up to to living up to everything we know we have deep down inside and leave us with that fulfillment and satisfaction that results from achieving all of that and and also together with that to give us a truly clean slate and a fresh start regardless of the baggage we're carrying so you know first of all very practically and technically every voluntary action Right, everything we do. Breathing is you know, voluntary to a degree. Most of the breathing we do is not voluntary. We do it without realizing. Our heart beats involuntary. Reflexes are involuntary. But anything we engage in voluntarily, whether consciously or subconsciously, the reason we're engaging in it, the reason we're doing it, the reason we're you know acting in whatever way we're acting is because we feel motivated to do it. Now, it may be a primary motivation. It may be because we really want to do that thing or we really want the outcome of what we're doing. It may be because of a secondary motivation. We want the thing, you know, maybe 
I'm motivated to go to work and I might not like work, but I'm motivated to get my paycheck or I'm motivated to buy something or have an experience that I'm going to be able to have through the money I'm going to earn at work. So I'm motivated to go to work, right? Even if I'm not directly motivated to work, there's something driving me. And if I decide to go to work at some level, there's something motivating me to do it, right? So ultimately every voluntary action we engage in is driven by the fact or is a result of the fact that we feel motivated to do it somewhere at some level. It has to be. And if we weren't motivated to do it, we wouldn't do it. It's that simple. And when it comes to being motivated to do something, one of the most important and most powerful factors that's going to determine how motivated we are to do something is how much we believe we can really succeed. Right? The, the, the greater the extent to which we believe we can succeed and get the job done, the greater the degree to which we perceive that action or that pursuit as being worthwhile. If we think, we feel, we believe, if I engage in this action, I know I can get it done, I can make it happen, I'm more likely to feel motivated to do it. I might feel very, I might believe very strongly in the outcome of something, but if I don't believe that I'm likely to get the job done, if I don't think I can do it, I'm not gonna feel that motivated to try because it's a waste of time and effort. And it might make perfect sense that I'm not motivated to put in the effort if I'm really not likely to succeed. So, you know, and, and this relationship between how much we realistically believe we can succeed and how motivated we are as a, how motivated we are as a result, a lot of that is subconscious. Right, We're not necessarily consciously aware of exactly how we perceive ourselves. We don't always realize exactly, you know, who is it that we think we are? What is it that we realistically really think we're capable of? Sometimes it's conscious. A lot of times, a lot of this is subconscious. But subconscious or not, it's going to ultimately, you know, the, all of these things, who we see ourselves as, the way we perceive ourselves, the way we identify is going to define ultimately and determine how worthwhile we believe it is to try anything. If we feel consciously or subconsciously that we're unlikely to succeed, that it's probably going to be a waste of time, it's very unlikely that we're going to feel very motivated. Even if we believe that it's a valuable pursuit, if we don't think we're going to get the job done, it might make sense even to not feel motivated. And that's why we don't feel motivated because it doesn't make sense. So, you know, one of really the most important factors in feeling motivated to do something and in being interested in trying to do something is believing we can get it done, right? It's that simple. We don't believe we're likely to succeed. We're not going to feel very interested in trying. We're not going to feel very motivated. Now, the specific pursuit, right? I want to get a little bit more specific now. When we talk about, you know, a pursuit, something that we could try and, you know, the more we believe we can do it, the more we'll feel motivated to do it. There's one thing specifically that I want to focus on. And that is how much we can really move past our behavioral history, right? We all have a history. We all have some baggage of some sort practically speaking, you know, hashtag real talk. No one has a perfectly clean slate. No one has lived a, lived a life in which every moment was perfect and all our behavior and idea and, and actions and thoughts and words and, and things we did, everything was a perfectly clean slate, right? It doesn't exist. We all have, you know, some degree of less than ideal history. And if we start to identify that as part of who we are, right? If this is my history, I am a person who has this character who did these things. This is the kind of person I am. I'm a person who does these things. I'm a person who did these things. And I might not say it consciously, but if that's even part of the way I perceive myself subconsciously, and the fact is, it's very likely ultimately, right? It's very natural that we perceive ourselves as the person at the center of all of this baggage, at the, as the person at the center of everything we've done. The bottom line is we are the person at the center of all of that. Where we go wrong is by defining ourselves 
as being the person who did those things, being a person who does those things. And when those that history and those things that we did that maybe it would have been better if we hadn't done them, if those become a part of who we see ourselves as, that's when it really starts to take a toll on our ability to achieve and move forward. Because we may have the ability to achieve great things, but the bottom line is if the way we perceive ourselves is as someone who's not realistically likely of achieving that, based on that perception, it makes sense not to try. If I believe that I'm a person who's not going to succeed at really turning myself around. I'm not a person who's going to succeed as doing something I've always wanted to do but never succeeded at because I've tried and failed. Or I'm not going to be a person who really, you know, really lives life true to my purpose, lives life the way I'm supposed to because I've, I've, you know, done the opposite of that so many times throughout the course of my life. If that's the way I define myself, that's who I see myself as, Of course, according to that perception, the way I see myself, there is no point in trying. And you know what? I'm not going to try. And based on that perception, it makes sense not to try. The thing is that that perception is wrong. That that's not who we are and it's got nothing to do with who we are. And, and, you know, I want to get to really how and why that's the case very clearly. Because when we understand clearly how and why this is not at all the case. And the things we've done actually have nothing to do with who we are and don't impact who we are in any way, shape or form. When we understand that clearly and we see it clearly, first of all, our perspective of ourselves, the way we identify, the way we define ourselves is going to be actually more empirically correct. And we'll get to that. And practically more importantly, that's going to be transformative to our emotional state, our well-being, and to the scope of what we are realistically likely to achieve because of what we believe we can achieve and what we're therefore motivated to try and motivated to give our best to. If we can free ourselves in our in how we identify ourselves in how we perceive ourselves and view ourselves and define ourselves if we can free ourselves of all of that then that doesn't have to impact the, our future because it doesn't impact the way we see ourselves who we see ourselves as which means it doesn't have to impact our realistic expectations of ourselves and it doesn't have to impact our motivation and we can move forward and be motivated and when we're motivated It can be very surprising just how much we can really achieve and make happen. So really what what the, the, the big foundation here that we need to clarify is where and and why is there this difference and what is the difference in this gap between who we are and the things that we've done and why does our history not have any impact on who we are at all? And if we can really get our heads around that, get a grip on that and really see that clearly, if we can really see, understand and believe truly that our history, positive, negative or otherwise, has nothing to do with who we are, then it doesn't have to have anything to do with our belief in our realistic potential. It doesn't have to have any impact on our motivation and it doesn't have to have any impact on our future. So we really need to get to two points that are three, right? Shneim, Shehem, Shol, I should say in Hebrew. Point number one is, who are we? What defines who we are, right? I keep on saying that our history and our baggage and our past doesn't define who we are. Okay, so what does define who we are? Who are we actually? We need to talk about, you know, the things we've done, regardless of positive or negative, what are our actions, right? And just... How separate are our actions and our history from who we are? So question number one is, who are we? Right? 
what is it that defines who each of us is? What is it that defines who I am? What is it that defines who you are? Who we all are? Right? Number one, every one of us has a body. Every one of us has a soul. Every one of us who has a body and a soul is a living person. Created in the image of divinity. Created in the divine image of the creator, of God. Of absolute infinity. Every one of us who has a body and a soul and created in the image of God has a conscious experience, has a mind, has feelings. That's who we are. I am, you are, every one of us is an individual whose ultimate identity is divinity, a soul, a spark of God inside, a spark of the creator, a spark of absolute infinity inside. And we are a person, an individual, a, div- an, a divine, divinely powered and driven individual with a mind, with feelings and with an experience. That is who we are. And every one of us as a person with a body and a soul and a piece of the creator inside, an instance, a spark of divinity inside, has unimaginable potential. If every one of us, every one of us, any one of us, we all individually, our our specific potentials are unique and very different, but every one of our potential of what we can do and achieve in life and the difference we can make, if we're really doing everything we can, is unimaginably enormous. Right? And all of that sounds nice and good, right? that's how we start off and that's who we are before we take any of our actions into account, before we take into account all the things we may have done through the course of our lives, right? But what happens once we've gone through life and as we all have to varying degrees done things that are not perfect, done something maybe here or there that's not ideal, right? Let's be conservative and generous over here. Maybe we've done a couple of things here and there that aren't perfect and aren't ideal, maybe more. So, yes, deep down inside, we started out as this body and soul and divine image and blah, blah, blah. But then we've done all these things. So what now? Right. And the answer to that is another question, especially being Jewish. Right. The answer to the question is always another question. And the counter question is, okay, of the things that define who we are, which of those things changed as a result of what we did? Right. I may have done all manner of bad things. Did that change the fact that I have a body? No. Did it change the fact that I have a soul? No. Did it change the fact that that I'm created and every one of us is created in the image of God of absolute infinity? No. Does it change the fact that everyone is divine deep down inside? No. None of those things changed. It doesn't matter what our behaviors were. Once we understand what it is that defines who we are, our behavior did not touch any of those things. So clearly our behavior, our our behavioral history, our baggage, let's call it, didn't affect who we are at all. None of the things that define us were impacted, touched in any way by the things we've done, by our history, by our quote unquote baggage, right? The things we do, even the thoughts we think, certainly the words we speak, Everything we do matters. Of course it matters, right? If it didn't matter, there'd be no point to it all. Of course it all matters. Everything has an impact. Everything has an impact on the people around us. It has an impact on the universe. It has an impact on, you know, on on the realization of our purpose. It has an impact on on bringing divinity and godliness into the world, into uplifting the world. All of those things are impacted by the things we do. But they've still got nothing to do with that which defines who and what we are. It's two separate things. Yes, it has an impact. Yes, it's very important and it does make a difference. But it's got nothing to do with who I am as an individual. It's got nothing to do with who you are. The things that define who I am, the things that define who you are, have nothing to do with our actions. Two separate baskets. Now... That being said, it's very common and frankly, it's very natural that 
if we're not paying attention, we will at least subconsciously start to include our behavioral history and the things we've done as part of the picture of who we see ourselves as. That, that, that does happen. You know, it happens probably universally in the absence of, you know, intentional effort to be on top of making sure that doesn't happen. You know, it's, it, and, and that's why, you know, it's very natural for, you know, let's call it undesirable behaviors, non-ideal behaviors. It's true of positive behaviors also, but, you know, for now, this, for the point of the conversation, for, for non-ideal behaviors, negative behaviors, to become self-fulfilling. Right? Because we've done something negative, subconsciously that becomes a part of the picture of who we see ourselves as how we identify oh i'm a person who did that i'm a person who does that which means i'm not a person who didn't do that and i'm not a person who doesn't do that which means i start subconsciously automatically to believe that that's the kind of person i am which means the likelihood of me not doing that the likelihood of me doing the opposite becomes less and as I become less, as, as my estimation of the realistic likelihood of me doing the opposite of what I've done in the past becomes less, I become less motivated to try, which if that's how I perceive myself, it makes sense to be less motivated. If it would be true that I didn't have a, a likely chance of succeeding, it would make sense not to be motivated to try because maybe it would be a waste of effort, right? So it's very natural that the negative things become self-fulfilling because it creeps into the way we view ourselves, how we define ourselves, the picture of who we see ourselves as, which then reduces our motivation, which increases the likelihood of us doing what we don't want to do, doing what we really shouldn't be doing because we have less belief in the realistic likelihood of us doing the right thing. And then, you know, our perception and estimation of ourselves continues to get less and less, which our motivation then becomes less and less. And then our behavior is realistically likely to go more and more downhill. All of that makes sense once when we have that estimation of ourselves and when we're taking our behavioral history and, and factoring it into the picture of who we see ourselves as. But that's all based on an incorrect premise. It's all false, right? Because the fact is, that's not who we are. It's got nothing to do with who we are. Regardless of what I've done, I am the same individual I was yesterday. I'm the same individual I was 10 years ago. I have the same body. I have the same soul. I have a different collective, you know, cumulative set of experiences since then. But my experiences don't define me. Your experiences are not who you are. They contribute towards your perspective. They contribute towards your awareness and all these other things. But they have nothing to do with who you are. Same body, same soul, same spark of divinity same ultimate potential. None of that changed. And the fact that we subconsciously factor that into the picture of who we are is empirically incorrect because it's not. It's not part of who we are. But as long as we allow it to creep into the way we identify, the way we self-identify, the picture we see of ourselves, it is going to result in us perceiving ourselves as having less realistic likelihood of achieving, which is going to become self-fulfilling and we will have a less, a reduced likelihood of realistically succeeding at any given thing because we're less motivated because we don't believe we can succeed. If we don't believe we can succeed, we're not so interested to try. And if we don't interested to try, we're less likely to try as hard and we are actually less likely to achieve. But the reason we're not achieving is not because we really have any less potential. It's because we're less motivated and less interested because we feel or think that we have less potential based on the fact that we've mistakenly, you know, snuck our past behavior into the picture of who we are when it's actually got nothing to do with who we are. Who we are did not change. We're the same person as before, same body, same soul, and same potential. So ultimately here, the decision that really does, that really, it really can make or break. Um, I, I didn't say it's the decision that will make or break because there are a lot of different things that can, you know, be very drastic and it's not like this is the one thing and nothing else. But this decision on its own can literally make or break the, the, the realistic likelihood of us 
really, you know, achieving our potential to a, a, a huge degree and, and, and living a life in which we feel fulfilled. And when we relate that back specifically to, you know, to the, to the idea of, you know, cleaning up our past, because again, our past doesn't affect who we are. It's got nothing to do with who we are as an individual. doesn't mean it doesn't matter. It doesn't mean it's not worth trying to correct. Right. And that's why, you know, I'm talking about it now before Yom Kippur, because Yom Kippur is the day of atonement. And these days now leading up to Yom Kippur are a time to be focusing on Teshuvah, a time to be focusing on, you know, our, our history, our baggage, you know, cleaning out our closet, so to speak, and, and trying to, you know, correct the things we've done in the past that maybe it would have been better or not maybe that it would have been better if we didn't do. You know, or the things we didn't do but should have done. And, and to, to really clean all of that up and to get ourselves ready for Yom Kippur. The problem is that if, and, and you know, I honestly, I, I see it a lot. And I think it's, it's unfortunately, but naturally a very common thing. That, you know, we think about Teshuvah, Yom Kippur is coming up. Yeah, that's all nice. And we'll, you know, we'll have a conversation about it. And we'll chat and talk about it because it's the flavor of the week. And we'll discuss it at the Shabbos table and have a conversation. Ultimately... You know, it's quite common to not really believe that we're actually going to do Teshuvah. It's like, yeah, Teshuvah is nice and we should talk about it and feel inspired and Yom Kippur, da, da, da. But like, like, like actually do Teshuvah, eh, you know. And, and the only reason or a huge factor in that, I shouldn't say the only reason, but many times the primary factor in that, you know, lack of real motivation to really engage with Chuva and trying to clean things up and really change things in a, in, a, in a real, true way is the fact that we have such a long history throughout our lives of, you know, of, of not being perfect and not always doing the right thing. And, you know, and over time, without even, maybe without even realizing it, it just becomes a part of who we see ourselves as. And if we see ourselves as, you know, if I see myself as, a person who does these things. I'm a person who's always, you know, doing some things I shouldn't be. I'm a person who's, you know, so far from perfect. I'm a person who always does things wrong. If that's who I am, if that's who I believe that I am, then it kind of makes sense that I'm not going to be very motivated to try and clean things up because, eh, for what? I'm a person who doesn't do the right thing. I'm a person who always messes up. And as, as, as long as we include our behavior, our imperfect behaviors, our negative behaviors, our, you know, negative behavioral history, our baggage, as part of the picture of who we are, it's going to make us feel, even if just subconsciously, and the way we feel about ourselves subconsciously is no less important or powerful than the way we think of ourselves consciously, it's going to make us feel like, eh, there's not really much point. I'm not a person who does that. I'm not a person who's going to have that future. So, I don't really see the point. It's not going to happen. It's not realistic. Let's be real. It's not going to happen. And if that's the way we see ourselves, then we're not going to be motivated. And it makes sense that we're not going to be motivated. Why would we be motivated? Right? So, you know, when when now with leading up to Yom Kippur and we want to do Teshuvah, you know, the, the point's not to convince ourselves. The point is just to be clear about the actual truth. And if we're clear about the fact that I am you are, every single one of us is a body, a soul, a person with a mind, with a heart, with a conscious experience, with thoughts, with feelings, and whose true identity is a spark of the absolute infinity of the creator. We are divine deep down and that is who we are. And the potential that we have as a result of that being who we are is enormous. And it doesn't matter what we've done, nothing we've done impacts any of those things that define who we are, which means nothing we've done impacts our potential to achieve and to make things happen in the future. No impact. Our behavior has zero impact on our potential for the future. As long as we are clear about who, what it is that defines who we are and what has nothing to do with defining who we are. The moment we allow those things to creep into the way we perceive ourselves and define ourselves and how we identify ourselves, then our effective realistic potential does become reduced because we believe less of ourselves. 
But that lesser belief of ourselves and in ourselves is actually wrong and inaccurate. And so, you know, leading up to Yom Kippur, we've got to get clear and you know, take some time to think and to make that decision that we will not allow this subconscious perception of ourselves and identity of ourselves to be to, to we will not allow our history, our past, our behaviors, our past thoughts, words or actions to creep into the picture of who we see ourselves as making that decision to be intentional about really defining ourselves accurately and only allowing the things that define who we are to be a part of the way we define ourselves and perceive ourselves in the picture we see of ourselves and to be clear about the fact that whilst our behavior matters, makes a difference, it's important and all of that's true, it's got nothing to do with who we are. It's our body, our soul, our consciousness, our inner divinity that's who we are. That is what defines us. That is who we are. That's what makes us who we are. Then that person who we are does and always will have really, honestly, unimaginable potential. Every one of us can achieve so much if we really engage with life and really, really try, really put ourselves into it if we're motivated because we know how much potential we have and we believe in our ability to achieve it. And that's the truth because we do have the ability to achieve it. And our past history has no impact on who we are, has no impact on our potential. And if we are clear, if we make the decision to be clear about the fact that it doesn't have any impact on our potential, then it won't have any impact on our potential. Because the only way it can impact our potential is if we allow it to incorrectly color our perception of ourselves. And then it's that incorrect perception that's changing our potential. It's not the history and the baggage itself that's actually affecting our potential. And, you know, going into Yom Kippur, I think it's, this is the decision that can really make all the difference is to be clear, who is it that we are? Who is it that I am? What is it that defines who you are? And if you're clear about what it is that defines who you are, then it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what I've done. Not not saying that the actions don't matter, but they have nothing to do with who we are. And if what I've done has nothing to do with what I am, and who I am, and if what you've done has nothing to do with who you are, then it has no impact on your ability for the future. It has no impact on the realistic ability that you have to do Tishuva, to really regret those things and decide, you know what? Yes, I do believe that I can have a different future. I can make everything of myself that I know I have the hypothetical potential. I can do it for real because that history has nothing to do with who I am. And, and that decision to have the, the really correct view of who we are and what makes us who we are, that decision really does give us, it doesn't immediately give us a clean slate, but it gives us a personal clean slate in terms of who we are, which then really can give us the energy and the belief in ourselves and the motivation to clean our slate historically in terms of our behavior, in terms of our baggage, to, to do Teshuvah. And ultimately, that's really what Teshuvah is, right? We think of Teshuvah as repentance. The translation of the word Teshuvah is to return. Return to who we really are because nothing we've done has anything to do with who we are directly. Those are actions that were performed by the person that I am. Those are actions that were performed by you, by the person that you are. But the actions are not a part of who you are, which means that as long as we're clear on, I'm clear on who I am and you're clear on who you are, and we're clear on the fact that our past behaviors are separate to who we are, we are now a person who can clean that up, who can return in our direction to the future to who we really are and to redirect our behavior and to really 
actually clean our slate, to have a true clean slate. And if we can come into Yom Kippur with that perspective, Yom Kippurim, the Day of Atonement, coming into Yom Kippur with that perspective means that we really, that the power of this day will atone us and will cleanse us and we will come out on the other side truly clean, with a truly clean slate and with a truly fresh start. Because there's no reason we can't. There's no reason that any person in the world cannot completely put the past in the history basket and move on with a fresh start. As long as we understand that the past isn't a part of who we are, then there's nothing holding us back. The only thing that can stop us is the incorrect belief that that has become a part of who we are. And knowing exactly who it is that we are and what it is that makes us who we are means we won't be deceived by the past. We won't have an incorrect perspective of ourselves, an estimation of ourselves that will ultimately effectively reduce our potential because it reduces our belief in ourselves, it reduces our motivation, and then it reduces the degree to which we put in effort and try. And when we have that accurate view of ourselves, we have a more accurate perception of ourselves. We have a more accurate self-identity and we now have the true full potential that we have practically. We have a realistic, our realistic practical potential becomes unimaginably large because that's the potential that we really have. It really is that great. And when we have the correct understanding and view and I, I perspective of who we are, then there's nothing holding us back from that potential. And when we have that real view of our potential, we believe that we can do it. We know correctly that we can do it. And when we believe we can do it, we can feel a real, true, authentic motivation because we believe that it's worth trying because we know that we can. And that belief the knowledge and clarity of who it is that we are and the clear gap, the separation between what we've done and who it is that we are allows us to know and believe that we really do have the potential that we have, which allows us to realize that it really is worthwhile to try because there is nothing holding us back. Whatever potential we had, before we started is the same potential we still have. Nothing we've done had any impact. There's nothing holding us back. And when we know that, we understand that and we believe it, we can feel the motivation to try because we know that we can make it happen. And when we feel that motivation to try, we feel interested to try, that's when we actually can realistically make it happen. And so it's imperative that we don't conflate what we've done with who we are. And if we can make that decision to keep that clarity and the distinction clear between what we've done and who we are, that's when the magic happens. And that's when our hypothetical potential also becomes our practically realistic potential because there's nothing holding us back. And leading into this Yom Kippur, I pray for myself, for you, for, for every one of us and for all of us collectively, that we can achieve and maintain this clarity in the distinction between our behavior and who we are. And that we can maintain and develop and strengthen an accurate self-perception, an accurate self-identity. And that we can really be realistically and practically able to live up to that potential that we have and to clean our slates because we know that we can. We know that the slate is not a part of who we are. Our baggage is not a part of who we are. And when we know that, we know and we know that we really can move past it and turn things around. Do Teshuvah, return to who we really are and make that the way our life is going forward. We can do that. And when we know we do that, we believe we can do it. There really is nothing holding us back because the only thing that, that holds us back is the lack of belief that we can. So if we can make that happen, establish that clarity of understanding, 
strengthen that, continue to build and to, to decide that we're going to focus on that and focus on it every day and focus every day 1% more. The impact that will have across the spectrum of our lives. When we feel motivated, we know and believe that we really can live up to that hypothetical potential that we have. Our hypothetical potential is not hypothetical anymore. It's real. Because nothing can impact that. Nothing can get in the way and nothing can hold us back. And when we can live with that view and perspective and identity of ourselves every day and build on that 1%, 0 0.1%, 0 0.01% every day, Think about what the entirety of our lives will start to look like and the change that will happen every day. The change that will happen over the course of a week, a month, a year. As that belief in ourselves, the correct and accurate belief in ourselves and the motivation that it drives, the interest in trying and moving forward and growing and achieving that's driven by that across the spectrum of our lives. Think about the change that we'll see. Think about the person we'll become practically and behaviorally. Think about what our lives can start to look like if we just can maintain that clarity on the distinction between what we've done and who we are. And the fact that what we've done has no impact on who we are and no impact on our real life potential today. And when we remember that, it really can, in a very real way, change the course of our lives. And that can be the thing that makes or breaks whether we really make the most of Yom Kippur because we believe in our ability to turn things around, to do Teshuvah, to return to our true selves, to return to our purpose, to return to the purpose of existence. And when we know that we really can and we believe that we really can, there's no reason we can't and there's nothing holding us back. And there's nothing holding us back from moving forward, from growing, achieving, filling our lives with a sense of fulfillment, a sense of satisfaction, a sense of achievement, and all the positive emotion and well-being that comes with that. And there's nothing holding us back from being everything we were born to be. I want to wish you a Gmach Simatova. May you be signed and sealed, as they say, for a year that's both truly and profoundly good. And that's not just good profoundly and deep down and truly, but a year that also feels good and tastes sweeter than honey. This has been the Bites of Judaism podcast. This podcast has been made possible by Mr. and Mrs. Dobbin and Malki Smetana. If you found it valuable, please leave a five-star rating and a review. It really does help it reach more people. And tell your friends about it. If you haven't yet, you can subscribe on all the major podcast platforms at rabbiglick.link slash podcast. To dedicate a future episode of the podcast, send an email to podcast at rabbiglick.com. See you next time.